The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race trips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA Foo scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. and welcome back to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by itl coaching and performance blue pineapple travel and slay rx my name is george darden i'm an endurance athlete and coach in marietta georgia i'm the father of twin boys and i'm a college professor my name is michelle frank i'm an endurance athlete in atlanta georgia i am a mom to three girls and a cpa and my name is eric hall i'm an endurance athlete and coach in raleigh north carolina the father to three college students and the husband to a beautiful wife melissa 
I am happy to see both of you once again. Thanks for being back with me. Michelle, because we cannot stop talking about Spotify and because Spotify came out today, we're recording on the last day of November with their year-end statistics, we got to talk about it. Uh, Michelle, let's do it. What was your number one listen to song over the course of the entire year on Spotify? This is actually really embarrassing. I only listened to it 12 times and I don't think I want to put it on the public record what it was. Can we talk about most? It was it was Wake Up in Vegas by Katy Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you, George. Um, I can explain, (laughs) Your Honor. (laughs) Please, please do. (laughs) So I don't. You know, this is actually good that we've had the last few podcast recordings because everyone knows I'm not really good at music or podcasts, and I absolutely suck at playlists. So if I'm on a run, I'm mostly listening to a podcast or I'm not listening to anything. And I spent very little time this year listening to music. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry, a lot of <laughs> Katy Perry are on my liked songs on Spotify. I only have 42 of them. So, and they're downloaded so anytime that I just switch to music, sometimes I just click that like song shuffle. It's always the same, just the worst songs. Hence, my number one song <laughs> is some Katy Perry waking up in Vegas song. And since Which is like 10 played, years old. And that's not even Katy Perry's best song. <laughs> George, there's no, there's no rhyme hey, can or Can you sing that for us? Can you sing that <laughs> for us? She probably can. It was her I'll number one can. song of the year. She listened to it 12 times. Yeah, right? I know, but do you remember? I don't remember, but I feel like I listened to Exile last year 400 times. So, that, <laughs> so I remember that that was your number one song, the the Taylor Swift song from Folklore. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking to know that um, I'm constantly thinking, wow, I just really didn't listen to music this year. I used to start Mondays with kind of the weekly uh, playlists, you know, that Spotify generates. But my routine this year has been just what I feel is a little bit of like self-imposed chaos. I left my job. I started my own firm. Um, my skids, my kids' schedules all changed. So I think not having a regular routine in terms of what I have the last several years or what I've known for at least the last five years basically also threw off my listening to Spotify routine <laughs> because there's tens of thousands of minutes of podcasts, very few minutes collectively of music. And for sure, my number one listen to song is just really quite embarrassing. (laughs) Okay. So I definitely want to circle back around in a few minutes to the whole routine being thrown off and trying to establish new routines and that sort of thing. Because that's actually something I've thought about a lot over the course of the past few months, but particularly over the course of the past couple of weeks. So I want to circle back to that in just a minute here. But I do have to say, and I think Eric will probably agree with me on this, that that blaming the fact that your number one song on Spotify was Katy Perry's Wake Up in Vegas on like the change to your routine over the course of the past year, that feels Wait. like a stretch. Wait. I mean, I stretched out many reasons why it's my number one song, but the primary reason is because if I'm in the middle of a run and I'm not listening to anything or I need something to default to, I will just go to those liked songs. However many miles or minutes I've run, however many times I've done that, you can only shuffle four dozen songs so many times true. that you're going to get one of those songs to be your most played song over and over. True, true. Like, and, and and to that point, um, uh, to that point, all five of my top five songs this year were on my 2022 playlist. 
Well, and that so, makes the, sense. <laughs> so the, yeah, exactly. Right. So the one that I play over the course of mostly just workouts, right. Uh, indoor sure. workouts, be they bike workouts or running workouts, like all five of those top songs, including the number one song, um, are, are from that playlist. Um, that's my most commonly listened to playlist, even though I have several others, of course. Um, and so, so yeah, not a big, huge surprise. Um, my number one song was, uh, was industry baby by, uh, Lil Nas X, uh, featuring Jack Harlow, which is fitting for a variety of reasons. Not the least of which is that, as I mentioned on this podcast, a couple of weeks ago, I actually name my playlist every year based on, um, usually a lyric or like a theme or something like that, um, from one of the songs on the playlist and the lyric that, gave the name to my 2022 playlist came from this song. So something about that feels poetic to me, but I listened to it 50 times, by the way, or at least I have so far. So four times as often as you listen to, to wake up in Vegas by Katy Perry. Um, this year, this time last year, my number one song you remember was up by, uh, by Cardi B. And I had listened to that 69 times by this point last year. So clearly I am, I am, down on my frequency of listening to my number one song but you know there's still a month left we'll see how it goes i i just want everybody to know that i went to the liked songs list and i unhearted katie perry's waking up in vegas literally so, just now while we were just talking about it no like 30 minutes ago when you started giving me shit about this <laughs> <laughs> so during our pre-podcast texting okay <laughs> well i would say for my sake personally, and hopefully for all of our listeners' sake for next year, there's no way that this song can appear as my number one most played song on Spotify for 2023. Wait, wait, oh. can you assure me of something else? That before the podcast, in the last five minutes before the podcast, I won't receive 69 text messages between the two of you? No. I cannot assure you of that <laughs> at all. No, I, I definitely cannot assure you of that. Do you know, um, Eric, your disgruntledness with the texting today actually reminds me of, I was putting my daughter to bed last night, my eight-year-old, I, I don't put my 14. <laughs> I like wherever this is going. <laughs> and she she asked me if George and Eric are my only friends because she always <laughs> sees our text box. Yes. <laughs> like our little logo. <laughs> She's like, And you, and you said, Yes. <laughs> I said it's complicated. <laughs> so. I saw I saw a meme today that that said my friend group as a teenager in my twenties, in my thirties, in my forties, in my fifties, oh, and is like getting smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> and smaller and smaller. And here, as I'm knocking on the door of fifty, yeah, it's definitely gotten pretty small. Um, but I would consider both of you to be part of it. Um, what was your total number of playing minutes in uh, in in twenty twenty two on? Spotify, because I'm pretty sure when when you showed it to me, it was like a lot more than what mine was, even though I listen to more music and you listen to more podcasts. So I think it was about 7,000 um, 7, minutes of music, but I have over 40,000 minutes listening to podcasts. Right. So I actually figured out that um, if I use a nine and a half minute mile and I look at the total time listened to my number one listen podcast, which... I mean, I understand it's not this podcast and that's oh, a whole we're going to talk about problem. that. We're, <laughs> okay. we're going to talk about that so too. It happens to be the Alley on the Run podcast. So I calculate if I do quote unquote Jerry miles, but I'll use nine and a half minute pace because that's, I think my most run pace this year. It's over 900 miles running, listening just to Alley on the Run this year. And that's more than half of my mileage for the year. God, this wow. year has really been a really 
got running here. But anyway, wow. <laughs> this the Spotify playlist is is causing lots of uh, reminiscing on 2022. As as it's intended to, which is the reason why we always end up talking about it, which is the reason why it's like literally one of my very favorite features on Spotify. <laughs> uh, your number one artist was Taylor Swift, I'm going to assume? Yes. My number one artist was Taylor Swift, but I have drastically, I'm in like a lower echelon of most me too. percentage users. I'm down to top 8%. And I feel like you've probably fallen off also, probably not as low as only top 8%, but I have- I'm, I'm, I'm down to top 6%. Yeah. I know, bad year for both of us. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so Taylor, we'll be back. We'll, we're going to aim for top 3% in 2023. Yeah. yeah. To be, to, I, I simply just didn't listen to her new album as much as I probably could have. That's what it is. So so several other people like had her new album on repeat, and I didn't quite have it on repeat here over the course of the past month or so. So that's what it is. But, you know, it could change by the end of the year. Um, so we'll see. We're not giving enough attention to my number two listen song. What's your number two listen song? What do you think it is? Uh, um, I think it's probably Antihero by Taylor Swift. No, it's Waka Waka. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's, it made the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast playlist. It's the first song on the playlist. It's the leadoff song. It deviates yeah. from every other song because it's only 127 beats per minute. But lo yeah. and behold... <laughs> It is well, my number two most played song. I mean, I think that's great. But at the same time, like <laughs> you've listened to it less than 12 times this entire year. I don't know. I, I feel, really I feel only like you listen, got some work to do. I feel I like you got some love it, to show to Shakira here. I only hear it when I listen to your 2020 podcast. I play okay. it very rarely and almost only when I'm running at Kennesaw. Okay. So yeah, I mean, okay. that makes sense to me. Okay, fair, fair. Um, and then the last thing we need to talk about with all of these uh, various Spotify year-end things uh, is what I mentioned a second ago. I spent 2,302 minutes listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast over the course of this past year. It was far and away my number one podcast, followed by Dear Hank and John, then followed by the Cycling Tips podcast, and then by Crooked City, and then by Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Um did we we said you said we made your top five, right? I mean, the podcast that you host made your top five. I, I I don't know what to say about that, Michelle. Well, I think that's better than in years past, but hold on. I know you're not <laughs> impressed by that. But last but. year No, but I think last year is the year that I changed the medium of podcast listening from Apple to Spotify. So I was always listening to a mix and a mix. So I think for my first full year, I mean, here's my question. Something like Allie on the Run probably has four to eight times the number of podcasts dropped per year that we do. So is it taking percentage of podcasts listened over the total percentage of podcasts released for total minutes? No, it's just taking total minutes. Right. So if you have something that appears on your podcast feed four to eight times more often than our podcast and you like it, I mean, it's going to be really tough. That's why I'm really proud of top five. Shouldn't like, it be a good podcast, though? <laughs> excuse me. You, I've shared episodes with you that I thought you would not have a problem with, and you actually have complimented them in the past. 
I I don't love that podcast. I I I will admit, like Eric, that it's not my favorite podcast. Um, but uh, but clearly it's yours. Um, and I I am going to uh to to in fact take your word for it on on why it is that Alley on the Run was number one when we were in fact number four. But okay, as long as you keep sending me good podcasts that you know I'll appreciate, then then I'm good with that. You sent me one this week. I listened to Sidious Mag podcast this week, which was an interview with Nico Young, um, which I haven't quite listened to all of it yet, but I'm going to be commuting a little bit today and I'll be listening to it then. So um, I, uh, I appreciate your sending it my way. Are we not even interested at all in what Eric's top played songs on Spotify are? I didn't even know you listened to Spotify. Yeah, you, did, you you told us last week, you're like, you might get me into Spotify after all, like after telling us that you yeah. never listened to Spotify. So so this is, technically I share this with my wife, which is very clear in the choices. Um, Justin Bieber's Baby. Oh my God. <laughs> Interesting choice, bud. <laughs> Number one artist, Andy Grammer, which I'm impressed with that. Number two, Ben Rector. Number three, Maroon Five. Is that you or Melissa? All right. That's this is, you, this isn't it? is Melissa. Oh, it's it's 100% Eric. You kidding? Me? And I would I would love to. Dude say, listens I, to Baby by Justin Bieber on repeat. Hey, I'm surprised that Megan Trainer's number five. I'm just I just got to say that I'm just surprised <laughs> that she's number five. Awesome. Very good. This you will know, change. This will change because we are. I am actually getting Melissa. It's kind of a for her for me gift. Uh, we're going Spotify uh, premium uh, there you for go. Christmas. And yeah, are, so are, George... are, are you gonna are you gonna set out set it out where you have the the dual where she'll have her own login and and her statistics won't get jumbled up with your statistics because I, I might have I done that, do that myself last year. Yeah, are you you're basically you're kicking Melissa off your podcast login the same way George kicked Casey off because Casey skewed his year in statistics. Yeah. She did. I, it, it, she, she, she polluted my data. I was not okay with that. Uh, in fact, by, by, by the same, the same token, my number one artist of the year, um, over the course of like, I think two years ago, it was, was Justin Bieber. Um, and I was like, I don't listen to Justin Bieber that much. No way. I think what we it talked is, about this wife, last year. <laughs> my, my wife will hit like play on just the weekly top hits playlist. And Justin Bieber is all over those. <laughs> um and so so i had all these songs even in my top 100 songs of the year that i had literally never heard before and i was like no this is bullshit i'm not doing this anymore and so so <laughs> i started paying the extra two or three dollars a month in order to uh to to get her data disaggregated from mine uh, so i appreciate the heads up and I'll, I'll, i'm taking a note to make sure that i i i uh established a dual login a dual there you login. go I go. did notice that and you, you might, you might the... also need to follow up to make sure that then she logs in through that because <laughs> there was a little mine. bit of a lapse there too. I found where, <laughs> where my wife was still logging in as me on at least one of her devices. Excuse me, Casey, can I see your phone? Yeah, right. just, just no, for a minute. That is 100% what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I know, did notice it's... that minutes listened to, I was kind of, is this minutes? Yeah, this is minutes listened to. Um, 4,569. All right. Not bad. So we're up there. We're up there. Not bad. I mean, one seventh of what I listened to basically. And, <laughs> and, you know, both of them were, both of us had far less. It was like one tenth of what, uh, of what, what, yep. what Michelle listened to. So 
All right. Very good. I, I am I am happy to welcome you aboard, Eric. I am already looking forward to this podcast next year where we get to hear about your information and data on your, your Spotify year-end analytics. I mentioned a few minutes ago um, that I wanted to circle back around to sort of the, what did you call it, Michelle? The self-imposed chaos in your life right now? Is that what you called it? I mean, um, I'm sitting here, you know, watching the clock countdown, fully dressed to go run because I haven't run yet. And mm-hmm. yeah, this is, this for me is chaos. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I but get my, it. This is a lot of my days now. Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, it's funny, Arthur Lydiard, uh, the famous coach who who all of us are familiar with and and uh, who is the big pioneer of, of over distance training and running slow in order to race faster. He coached Peter Snell and, and Herb Elliott and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, he one time said that you need to live life like a clock. Um, and, and that was what would ultimately lead to your best performances. And so what, of course he meant by that was that you kind of do things at the same time every single day and that you tend to even eat the same stuff. You basically find a routine and, and a set of habits that work for you and you just do it and you can't do it anymore. Um, I read, uh, an article by, uh, uh, Amby Burfoot one time that basically said the same thing, um, that, that you basically find something you love, find something that works for you and do it forever. Um, and, and it's funny because there's been times in my life where that really worked for me. And, and we're at a time in my life right now, and I sense that you are too, Michelle, where that's just not working for me anymore. Um, my, my life is just a little bit more chaotic now. And that's, that's in part um, because I'm reexamining a lot of my practices as I approach age 50, which is about a year and a half away here. Um, and I'm starting to think about like all the various things that I want to do in my life and the different races I don't want to run and, and all that sort of thing. I'm starting to think about that a whole lot more. And I'm, I guess I'm starting to feel as if my time is limited, but then also the pandemic, as we all know, just completely disrupted everybody's routine. Right. Um, and so, whereas I used to be so good at living life like a clock, I'm I'm trying to figure out whether I need a new clock or whether I just need to ditch that idea. I mean, what do y'all think? Michelle, you're looking at me like I just, like you just seen a ghost. <laughs> I, I actually like, I, I have no idea what to think. I think in my life, even though it all bottomed out, felt like it worked so much better when I was insanely regimented up every day between four and five out the door running first thing. Now I'm still an early morning person, but I'm shifting a lot of when I could be running to working and then throwing in a run later in the day. And it just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to find the, the balance of it all. I'm not saying it was ever balanced, but it felt better. Um, when it was just like more rigid, I would say. And, and what I said multiple times during the pandemic, and this is a little bit contrary to kind of the big picture of my life was, uh, slowing things down, like not having to get kids to school, not having to go anywhere. Like it was in a way it was so good for me, but now I'm back to, I guess with career stuff, like financial and emotional freedom. But since the world is no longer in a state of a pandemic and everything is open, I have three kids that want to be everywhere all day, every day at all different times. Plus everything is accessible to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to um, juggle the the like work life independence with everything else I want to do, but make sure I give 
my time and priority, you know, where it should be in terms of like family and loved ones and stuff. I'm, I'm finding that way harder than just the whole world shut down in the pandemic. Like I would go back to so many parts of 2020 over and over again, if I could. Um, so I also, I ran so much better. I'm not, well, not like, I understand not like in Boston in 2021, but overall it was just, I don't know. <laughs> and, but and, and, and so my question is then it is, and because I'm for different reasons, I'm I'm in a similar place. My question is then, do you need to just embrace the chaos? Do you just no, need to sure. say this is this is sort of what it is, or 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 do you need to try and figure out a different a, a, a more workable routine again? You see what I mean? And 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 that and that's that's also the question I'm asking for myself. Like, do I need to embrace the chaos, or or uh, is there some sort of routine that's actually going to work with my new realities? My my junior and high school daughter just showed up with a friend because they had a quick break and she just wanted to get muffins because I made a fresh batch of banana bread chocolate chip muffins yesterday. Right so Aww. I don't, I do not want to embrace the chaos, but me trying to get fresh muffins out of the oven yesterday before all the kids went to school was like unnecessary chaos. So I just want to manage the chaos better because mm -hmm. I like the fact that these high schoolers just drive into my driveway, come in, get muffins and leave. Like my daughter right. knows that's available for her and her friends. They all just came. Right. So I, maybe I just could manage the chaos better before. It doesn't feel like it's any more chaos. It's just, it's, it's unmanaged at this point, I think. So no, I am not going on record agreeing to embrace the chaos. That is like <laughs> not part of my persona. I just want to figure out how to better manage it, I think. And I'm not- Fair. Yeah. It well. And, 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 and perhaps that's an important distinction. Um, and, and the reason why, reason why I ask, I'm asking both of you, cause Eric, I want to hear what you have to say as well, but I'm asking you particularly Michelle, um, not only because I know that, that you're kind of struggling, albeit for different reasons, like I said, with this kind of question, the way that I am, but also because I know that to the degree that I like routine and to the degree that I like living life like a clock, you really do. I mean, the CPA on the podcast <laughs> likes for things to be in their boxes, right? Yeah, <laughs> I so, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not that way. I'm a college professor, man. I mean, like I live my life in the gray. Um, but but there's some part of me that really likes those routines, and 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 that knows that from a from a training point of view, those routines can actually be really productive for me. Um, yeah, Eric, what do you think? I struggle with the same. Um, you guys, you know, three college students doesn't mean that they're all independent and operating on their own. And, you know, Grace jokes that I'm the help dad, mm -hmm. because whenever she has any technology issue, she calls me yeah. and those phone calls can come. Uh, it's basically like a help desk. They can come at any time of the day, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey dad, you awake? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am now. Right. And then on, on top of that, you know, I, I have a, this, this is kind of interesting. You know, I, I, I work, um, a normal, you know, 40 hour a week job, you know, plus whatever extra hours get tacked onto that, but two days a week, I actually work from home. So that sounds great, you know, kind of regimented, but also creates a little bit of chaos because it's different, right? There's different types of work you can get done at home than you can at work, at least in my, my industry. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also going through this season at work where there's a lot of site visits involved. So it's a lot of, you know, jumping in the car and driving out, you know, to South North Carolina 
for a day or for half a day and then you know conference here and all that stuff and what i what i figured out is i need to stay i i can't plan out a month or two months but i need to stay about a week ahead week to two weeks ahead and if i do that i can manage the chaos by binning the time that's allowed for chaos separate from the time that needs to be regimented mm-hmm. so so I'm, I'm kind of getting to like how I deal with this. There are certain times a day that I will actively set aside for, you know, getting certain types of work done. So it's like, and, and I know at the beginning of the week, kind of what my week's going to look like. So I can bend those out. I do the same thing with my running, you know, Wednesdays I work from home. So that's the morning that I can put in an extra half hour of running. Cause I don't have to, you know, transit to work and all that. So I've, I've figured out how to say that chaotic thing of going back and forth between work. How does that work within my training plan? It took me two years to get to this point though, right? To say, oh yeah, I can, I can bend this and I can do this and I can move these things around. And part of that was because I was so regimented before that when all these things started changing, I kept trying to fit the square peg in the round hole. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I've got it all figured out. I'm just saying that I've started, I've I decreased my horizon of planning and I've binned certain pieces of the week or a day aside to do certain types of things that I want to get done. And one of those is running mm-hmm. so or exercising in general. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason why this came up or the reason why, why I bring it up again and the reason why it's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks is because remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about nutrition and what I was calling or referring to as a sustainable nutrition plan. Um, mm-hmm. trying to find something sustainable. And and we talked as a part of that conversation about like timing your eating around your running and things like that, right? And so if you know you're going to be doing evening run and so you schedule your eating around these various things, or if you know you're going to run in the morning, this is when you eat and, and that's how that all kind of works, right? Um, and, and just in reflecting on that conversation, I, you know, I was like, yeah, if I think about what I've learned about nutrition, then yeah, timing it in such a way that it actually aligns with your training schedule, that is legitimate. Like just when I think about what what I've experienced and what I've seen in my own life, right? But the problem is, is that that I don't run or work out at the same time every single day, right? <laughs> and so 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 then it becomes okay. So so how are you? Go- I mean, and so it just becomes all of these different things that that are at different times and in different ways that yeah i mean you said it took you two years i'm definitely not there yet (laughs) you know yeah well and it took me two years also because i was in a state of flux like things were changing Mm -hmm. and i think you might still be in that state of flux Mm -hmm. like you haven't things haven't settled out to where you can start binning that time and whatnot Mm -hmm. you know the two-year period i'm talking about it's like changes a lot of it's driven by changes in family and changes at work like Mm -hmm. you know at work you know it would be like i've got to hire a new employee or i'm planning or i'm taking over two new employees and now it's like okay figuring out like their work duties or the duties that i was doing and and like just blows up your whole day right Mm -hmm. and i talked about like being you know going to site visits you know i'll come i'll come back to my computer at the end of the day and have 200 emails like 
those sorts of things when you're in flux, like you can't really get your hand around them. But Mm -hmm. once those things start to settle out and that's what's starting to happen for me now, you can start adding a little bit of regiment Mm -hmm. to your day. But I do, I do feel like it really is managing the chaos. The chaos is going to be there whether you want to or not. And it's, you know, having a a plan B or a plan C when something doesn't work out, Mm -hmm. you know, that's important. Yeah. I mean, the the flux that I, I am perfectly willing to, to to say that I'm in flux right now. It is, as Michelle suggested, self-imposed, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and 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 like I said, for me, it's it's built around um, my upcoming monument birthday <laughs> and, and and of course, the way that my life and my my point of view and and my thinking has changed over the course of the past couple of years, um, for sure. For sure. Um, and my it's job, nice that that monument things. birthday is still a year and a half off, though. Right? It is. It is. I mean, it's not like it was last year. <laughs> right on. Thank God I'm not a half century already. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, all right. I want to give a quick plug to the book of the quarter because I feel like we haven't been talking about it enough. Um, the book of the quarter, you'll recall, is Running While Black, Finding a Freedom in a Sport That Wasn't Built for Us by Allison Mariella Desir. Um, and uh, we'll be talking about that, I guess, over the course of the next month here. Um, and so we have to pick a pick a time. It'll be one probably one of our first podcasts of 2023 when we'll actually be getting together to talk about that. But a lot of provocative and interesting ideas in that book that uh, that I look forward to, to the three of us talking about here. Um we got an email from uh, our friend of the podcast, Allison Mercer, who thought it was funny that we didn't talk about the so-called turkey trot heard around the world um, uh, in last week's podcast. So I did want to mention that really quickly here. Um, uh, if you haven't seen the video from the finish of the Troy, New York turkey trot, uh, do make sure that you go back and take a look at that. Um, spoiler <laughs> alert, the third place guy decides that that finishing third in this particular 10K on Thanksgiving morning in Troy, New York is the most important thing ever. Um, and so therefore runs way off of his line and runs the fourth place person into the fence at the finish line and they both end up going down. Uh, and I don't know, that's about as, as high contact as you get in road running, I would imagine. Um, but uh, but ultimately, the third place finisher was was disqualified after it made the rounds on social media and everybody agreed that what he had done was wrong. I would also encourage you to notice that that as soon as the third place finisher hits the ground, he stops his watch. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. That's, that's the only difference I, between uh, them and like linebackers. Clashing. Right. At yeah. least in this occasion. I may have sent you a picture pointing out of the the fact that he uh, stopped his watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Which I, which I totally understand. I resolved... the other guy though. The second place finisher is great. He's looking at him like you idiot. Like he's like, oh, the, yeah, what the guy, you, the guy like, who finished what fourth. What was that yeah. all about? And the yeah. guy just kind of calmly looks down and stops, and stops his, his watch. watch. Right? Yeah. I actually resolved several years ago um, that when I cross the finish line of a race, not to stop my watch like right on the line, like not to be photo? that. Like, like, yeah, because it ruins a photo and I just don't want to be that guy anymore. Right. Um, and so now I always stop at like, you know, three or four seconds past the line. So my, my time on my watch is always four or five seconds slower than than what the official time is. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, that's probably OK. Um, um, I have some pretty great finisher photos over the course of the last several years as a result of that. 
Well, it doesn't matter either because your GPS is going to either record the finish before the actual finish or after the actual yeah, finish. Yeah, true, so. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I was told that I ran, you know, like a minute faster for 10K than what I actually ran for the 10K the other day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. All right, speaking of 10K, of course, they ran the men's race at the NCAA cross-country meet was, was 10K. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was won by Charlie Hicks, and second place was Nico Young from uh, Northern Arizona, who we're going to talk about a little bit more here in just a second. Um, the Northern Arizona men uh, won again. They've won six out of the last seven years, which is pretty incredible, actually. Um, that level of dominance in an NCAA sport um, is, is, is really amazing. Um, what's more, they actually tied for first with Oklahoma State. Um, it was in Stillwater, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State's home course, um, and they had to go to a tiebreaker. And what's more, the the NCAA meet is so jammed up, like the entire field comes in within, you know, 60 seconds. Um, Everybody's so close together. Um, If you were trying to tie, if two teams for whatever reason said, hey, let's tie, it would be impossible. Um, And so so a profoundly close finish there. NC State won the women's race. Caitlin Tui won the individual women's race. Um, uh, Beat Parker Volby, caught up with her with about a quarter mile to go and went on by. Um, NC State is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Have there been celebrations, dances out in the street, all that sort of thing up there? We had the same conversation last year. (laughs) Because they did win last year as well. You're right. And the answer is? The bell tower was turned red. All right. Yeah. All right. Did did Vizenzi know they had won? Because I remember that was a question last year too. Yes, Vizenzi was played soccer for NC State. Vizenzi was aware. Yes, All right. everybody is aware. I mean, it's a, it's a two P, right? So right. It's, it's a big deal. I'm just waiting for uh, North Carolina to wake up and remove the UNC 2020 field hockey NCAA double or, or champions. From, um, from the signs as you enter the state to <laughs> NC State Women's Cross Country 2021 and 2022 NCAA champions. I agree. Um, yeah, who is in charge of that? That really needs to be fixed in ASAP. So I can send a strongly worded tweet to the North Carolina <laughs> Department of Transportation. Or like the state commissioner. I mean, who's in charge of that stuff? Come on, so. let's fix that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, good question. Uh, whoever currently is in charge of it probably has like a granddaughter that was on that field hockey team or something like that. I would imagine that's <laughs> that's, that's probably the way that it happened. Um, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's a pretty incredible thing. Caitlin too is quoted afterwards as saying saying uh, the individual championship and the team championship. It doesn't really get much better than that. I I agree. Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty incredible. Um, Parker Volby from Florida, from the University of Florida, actually went out. Um, and Michelle, I know that you watched the you watched the race much more closely than I did. Uh, but ultimately, had a 12 second lead at the 4K mark in the 6K race. The the women ran 6K. Um, and uh, and Caitlin Tui just started chopping it down. Had halved that by 5K, and then with about like I said, about 400 meters to go, she went by her. Um, my wife doesn't feel college rivalries the same way that I do. My wife went to the University of Georgia as an undergrad, and one of their rivalries is with the University of Florida. I told my wife afterwards that Parker Volby, second place finisher in the NCAA Women's Cross Country Championship, uh, said, uh, yeah, a couple of people have asked me about how she ran the tangents better than I did, and I don't really know what tangents are. Um, and and 
<laughs> if that was my rival school, I would have talked about that a lot. <laughs> uh, but well, my wife that's was the kind of really thing you expect to hear from a UGA grad I'm, <laughs> or a UGA Ouch. student. Yeah, or, 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 or an Emory grad, perhaps. I don't know. Excuse right. me. Or, <laughs> Not only do we know the tangents, we like probably measure and certify them. <laughs> 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 I'd be surprised if a UGA grad could spell tangent. <laughs> you know, I so, liked Parker's um, response because she's, you know, relatively, I don't want to say undertrained, but she spends a tremendous amount of time cross training. Her mileage is really, really yeah, low. And she's yeah. only a sophomore or she junior. Well, she knew. No, she's, she she, no she, she's 20 years old. Um, okay. So she's 20 years old. Uh, 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 Caitlin Tui is 20 years old. Nico yeah. Young, who finished second, is 20 years old. Isn't Charlie Hicks, who won for the men from Stanford, and he also 20 years old? They all have eligibility left. They're not a going. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what I liked about Parker was, yeah, she didn't run the tangents. She wasn't as, um, you know, tuned into the course, but she knew that if she had any chance of beating Caitlin in this race, she had to get out and she had to get out way ahead. Yeah. And there was no chance that she could survive a kick from Caitlin. Um, if you listen to all of the NC state, you know, post race, they said that they were very careful with, you know, coaching the athletes to, you know, really just stay within themselves. Um, but that they think most people struggle on the last K because of what actually happens between like four and five K. Right. It's not that like, five to six K is so hard. It's that they're wasted from four to five. So they, they really, burned all their really, matches early. Uh, yeah, triathletes talk really about burning saw, their matches. Yeah. Yeah. NC state. I mean, yes, Parker didn't win, but they both, both teams and both front runners did what they had to do to put themselves in the best position to win. Mm -hmm. And on that day, Caitlin was better, but yeah. yeah, that was just a, that was a phenomenal race. I mean, to watch, Man, she hunted her down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then she but, then she passed her on a curve on the inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, Parker ran. She ran too much of that course, but yeah. she'll learn. Only one way to learn, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you mentioned that she did a lot of her training via cross training. She uh, she does a lot of training on the elliptical. Um, arc trainer. On, on the the arc, so so that's like an elliptical, right? It is like an elliptical, but it's a little bit different. Okay. It's, it's the one that kind of, it's more curved. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, and so, so is it because she's been injured or because she's injury prone or what? It's because she was injured, but she does her workouts like on the arc trainer. Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty crazy. Right. It's, it's not, you know, I guess you can, she can get her heart rate up and, and get fitness and not be weight bearing at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She just seems like an incredible talent to me. Yeah. You but, know, Caitlin's. But Sorry, Caitlin's been winning since she was, you know, 14, 15 years old. Right. Parker's relatively new. I mean, if you look at what she ran last year at NCAAs versus this year, you know, she's really just kind of a, a an up and coming. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. No, I think they're I think they're both great. They're both exciting. They both have the potential to run well under 15 minutes for 5K this spring on this the track. Weekend? So maybe. maybe even this weekend indoors. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but but um, but but certainly by the time the spring rolls around uh, on the outdoor track. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, no woman in the NCAA has ever run under 15 minutes um, for 5K for 5000 meters. Um, and so uh, we would love to see that happen for sure.
for sure. Yeah, they made a comment in what with one of the races, with one of the coaches post-race, um, whether she was in 1444 shape. Yeah. So we're gonna see a lot of these uh NCAA stars at, at BU this weekend mm -hmm. indoors. So mm -hmm. hopefully yeah. I, I assume they kind of go really hard and just try to get their qualifier and then shut it down for December. These curls need a break. <laughs> that, well, that was my thought too. All these athletes need yeah. a break. Yeah, because uh, you know, I listened to a podcast this past week that you had pointed me to, Michelle, thank you, with Nico Young. Um, and he talked about how he was going to try and go run a fast a fast race in Boston's weekend. I was like, dude, shut it down. Like take a little bit of a break. Um, but, but I think you're right that, that he wants to go ahead and try and cash in on this fitness with a fast time and then kind of over the holidays, shut it down and take a little bit of a break and then come back in, in January. Um, he has, and we're going to talk more about this in just a second. Um, he has a, a solid social media following. He has about 75,000 people that follow him on social media. Caitlin too, he has about 90,000 people that follow her on social media. Um, and one of the things that he posts a lot on social media, as far as workout goes, um, is himself and the other uh nau runners doing workouts on the treadmill have you seen that um they're uh they're on woodway treadmills which are super high-end treadmills and they're in an altitude room and so even though they're at nau um they they're in an altitude room that they could make higher or or lower um and because NAU is, is of course, already at altitude, it sort of overlooks the weight room there um, and they get in a line and they do tempo runs there. Um, and so he says whenever the weather is not favorable or whenever the, the workout requires them to change the altitude at which they would normally be, um, they do workouts on the treadmill. Um, he did say they don't do them all the time, but they are the most uh, social media friendly. And so if you see his social media, you'll see a lot more of those on there than you would see other things. But um, and so so he's not on the arc trainer necessarily, but he does use the treadmill as a tool, which I thought was interesting. Um, and that this... that reduces impact as well. Yeah. If you're using a Woodward. A so. Woodway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Woodway. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you have eight thousand dollars to drop on a treadmill, you too can reduce your impact on it's, a woodway it's, treadmill. It's more than eighteen eight thousand dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely into the uh, into the five figures there. Um, so so yeah, it's um, no joke. I it wasn't our intention, I don't think, to go back to NCAA's. But George, I listened to to Mike Smith, and he said in the post race interview, after Mike Smith, the guys, NAU coach. Yep, after his guys won, and again, they weren't favored to win this year. Um, that he really messed up in the middle of the season and that he, quote, he said something like, I didn't have my guy's legs underneath them. Right. Like, you know, they had a not a great showing at uh, Nuttycomb um, and they really they didn't really have any remarkable performances all season. But I was curious, like, what does that mean to you when a when a collegiate cross country coach of one of the best teams in the nation says that? Like, what did he he said he messed up. He didn't have their legs under him. See, I don't like, think what, he what messed he up. Wrong? I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, and I, so, I, so I heard that too. Um, and I read that too. I don't think he actually did anything wrong. Um, so what that they finished fourth or whatever they were at some of the pre-national meets, right? That doesn't really matter. Um, that All that meant was that they came into the NCAA meet and people were thinking that they were vulnerable and might get beaten. Um, but it matters how you do, at least for somebody, a team at the at the level of, of Northern Arizona, it matters how you do at the NCAA meet. It doesn't matter whether you win all these pre-national meets and that sort of thing. All that matters is that you bring your A game to the, the, the national meet. And they did. 
Does that mean that they had to, in some of their B races or less important races early on, that they had tired legs and they carried too much fatigue into them? Yeah, maybe. But they got it done on the big stage, and that's all that ultimately matters. I think he knows that. So he must be, there must be something else. Like I can, I struggled with this with high school runners, right? Like Mm -hmm. today, yeah, but coach, I'm I'm running, you know, 457 and, you know, I I should be running 452 and I'll be like, it'll come. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. you're carrying a ton of fatigue and I'm, I'm doing it on purpose, but I should be, I should be, no, no, no. The only meat I care about is... Right. You know, right. You know, and and the only meat you care about is that. And it takes a whole season to get there. But I have a feeling that he meant something different or he was talking to a different audience, um, mm-hmm. a less educated audience for some reason. I'm not um, I just don't buy that. He didn't so, understand what he was saying. So you think when he says I didn't have my guys legs underneath him in the middle of the season, you think he was saying they were carrying too much fatigue too early on? Yeah. That's what I think. I think that they they were in the middle of a difficult training block that that they didn't taper for a race in midseason. Well, yeah, of course not. Um, and I think that's OK. Um, I think you sh- I don't I don't think you should. I think that was the right thing to do um, because Great. it doesn't matter when 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 you look back on the the 2022 cross country season, people are going to be like, oh, well, people didn't know it's going to be in a you one again. It's not going to be, oh, well, in a you lost this random competitive uh, uh meet in the middle of the season it was gonna it's gonna be that nau won their sixth out of the last seven years i agree uh, with you on yeah. the outcome but i i wish i knew mike smith because i really wish i better understood what he meant like why he feels like he made a mistake still after the fact that his guys won ncaa's i'm not saying you didn't hear him correctly or he didn't say that because if you're if you're a soccer coach right if you're a soccer coach winning matches matter right they matter because they place you in the bracket. Right. Same, same, same with most other up. sports, right? But the, the point is, I'm wondering, in this, I'm just proposing a, a, a potential. He knows that the, the result of NCAAs is what matters. He knows that it takes a training cycle to get his athletes to that point, And you can't peak, peak, peak. So I, I think he might be talking to a different audience. Yeah. Okay. And, we, and, we can... and, I, and I agree with Eric. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he actually thinks that he messed up. I think, I think he's taken blame for it, but I, I don't think he would do anything differently next year. I don't, but we'll see. Maybe he will. Um, maybe he'll decide that next year finishing first place and, and having a dominant performance at some of those mid season meets is super important. And then they'll show up to NCAAs not quite as fresh and prepared and, and at, at, at peak fitness as they could be. And they'll end up finishing second or third. And he'll be talking afterwards saying that that was the mistake because that, in my opinion, would be a mistake. <laughs> um, speaking of NCAAs and speaking of the, the uh, outcomes of NCAAs, um, there was a headline on uh, let's run.com last week that as soon as I read it, I kind of freaked out a little bit and I screenshot and I sent it to both of you, but the headline said, Caitlin Tui goes pro. And I was like, Caitlin Tui went pro. You know, I thought that she was leaving college and going pro and declaring herself as a professional athlete and all that sort of thing. And then as soon as I started reading the article, it was like, no, she didn't actually go pro. It says that she signed a pro contract and it was actually referring more specifically to an NIL contract, a name, image, and likeness contract. Now, uh, those of you who follow NCAA sports know that when I was in the NCAA um, and whoever was in the NCAA up until very recently, uh, you weren't allowed as an NCAA athlete to make any sort of income. 
um, uh, you were required to be a amateur athlete and the reward that you got for all of your work and effort uh, was a college education. Um, Income from your running performance. Right, right. Um, and, and that was actually pretty broad back in the 90s when I was in college. Um, I, I had some teammates who got sanctioned because they were out on a run and they got stopped by sort of a, a man on the street type commercial for Blimpy. Um, and they had to try and say the phrase uh, simply Blimpy for fresh sliced subs. And they struggled with it. And because of that, they got in trouble with the NCAA because they made not even because they made any money from it, but because Blimpy was using their image while they were running to actually sell sandwiches. Um, and and so those rules have been loosening over the course of the past 20 years. And then um, uh, the Supreme Court uh, decided last year that athletes could, in fact, make some money from their name, image, and likeness um, and still take part in the NCAA. Um, and so that means people like Caitlin Tuohy, uh, she signed a contract. We don't know exactly how much it was for with Adidas that that Adidas can now use her image and that she can post on her social media about you should buy Adidas because I like Adidas and I wear Adidas and it makes me faster and, and, and all that sort of thing. What do you all think? My initial reaction to this type of NIL agreement, first of all, is, well, finally hit somebody in track and field. Uh, kind of been waiting on that. I'm, I'm glad it was Kaylin. I think she's well deserving of it. But I think yeah, the, that... the the majority of people not to bring up college football again, but the majority of people who have benefited from this so far are college football players. I see their yeah. faces on billboards on my commute all the time right now. Yeah, uh, my initial response to uh, you know waking up and seeing Caitlin's posts was, oh my gosh, like if she can lock in a professional contract but she can also stay in college and compete for her team. And it keeps her in college through her NCAA eligibility. You know, she gets the degree, she gets school paid for, and she still gets to be involved in that um, collegiate team environment. I think this is amazing. And I hope that, I really hope we see more of it. Um, I hate, I, I hate watching people go pro from high school because I understand it might be, you know, a one-time opportunity and people's families have nothing and this is a different life for them. Um, but I just, you know, I think about some of the people who gave up um, college running for, for an early professional career. And I just don't actually think many of them, you know, will look back 10 years, 28, 30 years old and, and not really regret that. Um, so any NIL deal, which gives one of the nation's best runners the opportunity to both benefit from and, uh, you know, stay in college. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Right on. I agree. Yeah. The, the collegiate training environment is a good environment. Um, you're insured, you have equipment, you have trainers, you have a coach, um, all of that stuff is facilities. stuff that, that ultimately you would have to pay for yourself once you get yeah, facilities. Um, uh, all that stuff is stuff you would have to pay for yourself once you once you actually went pro. Um, and so it keeps people in a more supportive environment and ultimately can can ensure that they develop better over time. Right. Um, because they're, they're more supported and they have uh, access to all those resources. Eric, what are you going to say? I was just I wonder what the second and third order effects of this are going to be. Yeah, the where are the haves and have nots going to play out? Um, is and in Michelle, you're kind of alluding to this could turn into a contract post college. Like, when how is that going to get woven into this? Um, 
I mean, I, I think it's just new territory. And I don't think it's, I don't, th the story is definitely not written on this. No, and it's not clear, you know, what the NIL agreement is worth and how exactly it, it plays out over the next few years. But it is almost, it is, you know, pretty much assumed that this is Adidas way of kind of inking her into an also post-collegiate professional contract. Sure. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, and to use a crass metaphor, it's kind of them getting their hooks into her now, right? Good for them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, you know, so another thing I wonder, or here's another thing I wonder about that. So there's, there's a wrinkle, right? So NC state is, you know, their, their equipment provider is Adidas. Yeah. So where now you have a monopoly on this, the students in that environment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she so, could have just she could have signed an NIL deal with Nike or Puma or anybody. But, but but if she had signed an NIL deal with Nike or Puma, she would still be wearing Adidas for any sort of team photos or team competitions or anything else like that, right? And so so yeah. I think what I think what you're getting at, Eric, is that this will actually incentivize Adidas and Nike and other shoe companies to actually sponsor teams more readily, right? To to and spice up their sponsorship, right? Right. right. It's it, it's going to be more, maybe even more, I don't know how competitive it is now, but it may, it might even become more competitive. And then you, then you're going to turn into haves and have nots in the, at the, the college, like it's another have and have not situation for the college. Right. Like what, so, what is their so, contract so you at? might have, you might have say Adidas will take the money that they maybe were going to be giving to uh, Eastern Kentucky and give all of that money to NC State in order to to spice up their sponsorship deal with NC State and thereby potentially get their hooks into more NC State runners earlier so they can sign them professional contracts later on. Because they've got a coaching staff that's obviously doing something right. Yeah. And you know, so I, I'm not and I'm just like thinking through this and I'm trying to devil's advocate it because it, you know, and I think we're going to get on to another potential, you know, downside to this in a couple minutes, but I just, I'm just thinking about it, you know, like, well, that, that, now I, that, that we have the a, have versus have not thing is something that's worried that's, that, that's concerned me about it from the start, because to be clear, and we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think that's, I think it's good. I don't, I don't like the fact that, that athletes put in all of this time and all this effort and coaches can literally have 10 different revenue streams and make millions upon millions of dollars and athletes don't get anything like, like right. that's not yeah. okay. That's exploitative. Um, and, right. and, I agree. and so, so I, I, I think it's a good thing. However, my concern from the very start would be about widening the gap between, um, the big schools and the small schools between the university of Alabama and, and Appalachian state. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Cause if you think about it, so NC state has a deal with Adidas, Adidas starts sponsoring, uh, uh, NC state athletes with NAL contracts. Uh, those students end up with pro contracts. Now you've just um, set up another uh, another concern for a high school athlete picking a college. Another selling point, yeah. Another selling point for NC yeah. State, which is good. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying these are bad things. I'm saying that this could create super super programs, right? Because fo football players are already doing that. Yeah. Co collegiate football players are already saying, okay, if I go to the University of Alabama and I become the starting quarterback there, I can make $8 million a year. I'm curious what you guys think about what your fears are with the NIL deal and, you know, collegiate specifically um, 
track and field and cross country and essentially literally what's already in place at Oregon because with the transition mm -hmm. of Jerry Schumacher and Shalane as the coaches at Oregon now they basically set up a way for athletes to come in and they can start cultivating what will become the professional teams yeah. from the minute these yeah. kids walk in the college door yeah, and no. you don't have any NL, NIL money being offered in Oregon's a Nike school obviously um you know but they're essentially doing what you guys seem to be what, saying what, you yeah, hear the NIL. yeah yeah but it's already in place it's already happening like right. I would argue that what right. Jerry and Shalane are going to be able to manifest at Oregon is way more threatening to this sport at the collegiate level than the random NIL deal for, you know, one of the nation's best runners. That's not an Oregon duck. And I, and I think Jerry and Shalane are three or four years out from having, you know, top, top teams on both sides, but they will get that. And they will, and, and, and those and runners the, and will stay use, there. I agree. And, the, and they'll and then, use, and they'll use NIL as a tool to make that happen. Oh yeah, they, they, that's and the burritos. whole package, and pork burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and pork probably. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that's an excellent point, Michelle. I think you're totally right, and I think that they will, they will use NIL as a tool for that. So, so they, they can turn the University of Oregon cross country and track program into a feeder program for the Nike what used to be the Bowerman Track Club, whatever the new name of it's going to be, right? They, in, into the Nike professional team in, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and, and the way that they can entice the future Nico Youngs and the future Caitlin Tuies and all of those to come to the University of Oregon is by saying, oh, well, if you come, Nike is going to, to sign an NIL deal with you on your first day as a freshman, um, and you'll be making $300,000 a year, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty incredible. In summary, we can definitely say that NIL name, image, and likeness stuff um, is going to change collegiate sports, but we don't really understand exactly what the changes are going to be. It's going to be a hot minute before we truly understand what all the changes are. But Caitlin Tui definitely uh, just kicked the ball down the field a little bit farther. Interesting conversation, y'all. Eric, thanks for being with us, man. Always fun. Uh, thank you both. Michelle, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com. Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx. The number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.